Hello everyone and welcome to the Impact Play, impacting more than just gaming. I'm your founder and host, Mohamed Adam, is known as It's Yigu, and we are your one-stop news shop for the latest and greatest across gaming, tech, entertainment, sports, and even music. We are Empathic Voices, from those who perspective fields and having their stories told here on Impact Play. Join us as we record the show live over at twitch.tv backslash Impact Play and by clicking on that notification bell so you will be notified when we go live or later on YouTube or even on your favorite podcast platform. Simply search for the Impact Play. However, consumer content, whatever consumer, we are there. Your support keeps us. The lights running and keeps the content rolling. You can support us over at anchor.fm backslash the impact play backslash support via Patreon. Reserve recruits and above get the show ad free. Go to recruits and above, have exclusive access to not only to post show, but they can even call in to be a part of the live experience plus early access and so much more. Learn more and come on Patreon support it today at patreon.com backslash the impact play. Even by using our credit code, the Impact Play, we are an Epic partner. So, so with every purchase you make within the Epic ecosystem, we do get a commission to help support the show for the elevators, takes to no heights, and no extra cost to you. When you again, when you use the credit code, the Impact Play. This is the Impact Play's Atlanta Film Festival episode 157, where there was a filmmaker roundtable discussion that took place uh, today as of this recording, April 26th. So everything was pre-recorded, keep that in mind. And just enjoy that amazing content if this does apply to you. So thank you guys so much. So stay tuned and enjoy. Then you realize that money doesn't last very long. No, because I've shot everything gorilla. It was my first time having to pay for permits and having to pay my crew what they actually charge and not just some food. And so the, the money lasts in a couple of days. Everybody's like, if I had a million dollars to make my first feature, and I'm like, you still can't pay your crew when you have a million dollars. No, I've been doing budgets forever, and you just can't. And when you have a dollar, everybody wants one. Yeah, so what I use. When you don't have money, life is good. Yes, oh my gosh, with the little budgets that I have, like, I was able to locate do just as much because I wasn't having to pay. I think we spent 35000 on COVID protocol. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we shot it in 2020. And so it was when COVID tests were still 225 per person, and SAG made us test everyone every single day. And we had to pay for the COVID compliance officer, but we also had to pay them like a COVID fee of like $2,500 per day. Um, So yeah, the money went real quickly. There's a reason why there weren't a lot of independent films, like feature films made during the pandemic, because it was super expensive. Even big budgets. We were like one of three. We were the only short though. Yeah, the rest were features. So the rest of you guys. So now, now that follow that. Um, yeah. So how, if you're willing to talk about money, but also how did you put a crew together? Because you didn't have eighty thousand um, dollars. How did that go? And I guess I will go in order. Uh, Geo. Um, yeah. So it was not eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> Uh, at the time, it was very uh, like college student-esque kind of vibes. So it was probably in total like 600 or so. And that was um, crafty, making sure people got fed really good stuff. Um, and having a smile and hospitality is like the, the OG thing at the top. And then, um, and then also for our sound production design, which really came in handy uh, towards the end. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of the, the kind of classic, like, 
you know, just knowing, meeting folks and having such a, a base of friendships so then you can go into working together and really developing um, close, uh, just close communication with each other. Um, and for the most part, I've worked with most of these folks before on their films and I had contributed to their films as well. And so there was already kind of a symbiotic thing going on between all of us. And that's super important, is to help other people with their films. Like, you might be a director, but maybe you produce, or you production design, or you do craft service. Flip some burgers for your friend's film, like whatever it is. But that is that is how short films in this town have always really gotten made, and it's super helpful. Uh, Madison, talk to us about yours. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm in between uh, these two, but definitely closer to Geo. Uh, ours is probably around 6,500, um, and... That was for a two-day shoot. Um, we did pay everybody, uh, which makes me very proud, um, except for me, uh, I didn't get paid, but um, one day I'll pay myself. Um, and we were able to go SAG uh, under the micro-budget agreement, which if you guys are making a short film um, and wanna use actors who are in the union, um, I really recommend looking into the SAG micro-budget agreement. It's actually really flexible, and if you've got actors who are sort of willing to take whatever rate you can pay they're you know they're sort of basically saying i will i will work for what you know for this rate that we've negotiated with the filmmaker um so super super flexible um and you know i'm i'm like nina like i my goal is to pay union across the board right to be able to pay people what they're worth more than they're worth it takes your entire but it, it is very very expensive right you you really start to understand why movies cost the millions and millions of dollars that they cost. But, you know, for me, in terms of building a team, I was really lucky. I did an independent film in 2017 uh, where I uh, met John o. Mitchell, um, who's become my constant collaborator. He and I were playing husband and wife, uh, and we sort of started writing something together three days after we met, and it was the beginning of something really special. Um, and so he brought to the table a lot of people that he'd met because he'd been doing sketches. He was working at Adult Swim. You know, like Gio's saying, it's, it's your friends. It's people who have been on the ground doing this kind of work. Um, and you slowly start to find people who are excited about the same kinds of stories that you're excited by. And I think it's important to realize that not every person that you love is gonna wanna tell your story. Um, and that doesn't mean they can't still be your friend. Um, but over time, as you meet more and more people, you really start to be like, oh, you know what? They love comedy like I do. They love earnestness like I do. They love color like I do. You know, they, they, they wanna be a part of these projects and, and when you can build that enthusiasm and that passion you can ask people to come in for a favor or for food or you know as you work your way up hopefully more and more money uh, until you get to the place where you can pay people exactly what they're worth and more um, but I'm really uh, very very fortunate to have the team that I have and I'm excited that they're all from Atlanta and that we can all keep working together and building up the community that's here excellent and just so you guys know sagindy.org so if you have questions and you're too afraid to call Melissa at the real SAG office, sagindy.org exists so you can call and ask all the stupid questions. Like literally that's what, what SAG created sagindy.org for, is for independent filmmakers to be able to call, ask questions, um, understand the contracts, um, realize what is truly in the contracts, because it might say $125 a day, that doesn't mean your 16 hour day, it really means an eight hour day. And then oftentimes if you're paying them, there's pension and health and there's payroll fees. Um, so, But they can help you walk through all of that. Um, and it's a great resource for independent filmmakers. Um, Joshua, tell us about yours. Yeah, um, so my crew, 
was very small. I'm closer to Geo. Um, I had a lot to bring um, to make the whole thing, um, but we had literally three people, you know, that worked on that, on that production with us, and, and it was it was us kind of, you know, the person whose house we shot, um, the work in was also the person that did the sound design and, and the poetry, uh, like he mixed it for us. Um, the person, the guy who was on the, on the saxophone in the film was also the one that did the score, you know, um, and I was, you know, directing it and also EP'd it. And so it was kind of like, we, it was all about like kind of with uh, Gio, I'll echo that and what you all are saying, it's just about relationships and friendships and, um, my, my friend Warren, he was the gaffer, and I worked on you know some stuff for him and, and helped him um, you know with the screenplay that he had written. He had written um, something earlier in the year, and um, helped him kind of just really unpack story. And so he was like, dude, that, I couldn't have done that without you. So well, I'm gonna help you with your film, you know. And so just being able to be there for your friends and um, you know being you know musical, I guess I'm not sure what I'm looking for, but yeah, just being open to doing other things outside of this. Uh, no, I'm the director, I don't do anything else, so, yeah. Um, Is that Lauren Dent? Like, yeah. Um, I taught him high school biology, that's which awesome. is yeah, that's that's awesome. a fun fact for everyone to know. And now you can guess how old I am. <laughs> um, so what was the biggest challenge that you had to overcome, and what was the most delightful happy accident and i'll start with you nina so the toughest thing toughest challenge and a happy accident um yeah so i mean well we already know your happy accident never mind <laughs> <laughs> well we'll pretend it's the film i think the biggest hurdle like i said was covid um i was excited that i had the fifty thousand dollars to make a film um and then when covid happened um like oh my more than half of that went to COVID precautions. Um, it was a four day shoot. Like I said, we had to test for COVID at this time every day. One of the tests came back positive. So SAG was like, you have to shut the whole production down. And so we shut, for one day we shut it down and the person went and got the different type of COVID test, which said she actually was negative. Um, it was a mistake on the lab's part. And um, we didn't have the money to go in to make up that day that we lost. And so the film, I had this really amazing location um, scheduled for that day. And they said that we couldn't shoot there anymore because it was gonna be for other people. So in a couple of hours, I had to change my, my shots and I had to take, um, we, I didn't wanna take any scenes out, but once I saw what we had shot, it actually didn't look good. And so I decided to just take those out. So yeah, COVID was such a huge hurdle. Um, but I think that my happy moment was just seeing the film and even though it didn't turn out the way that I expected it to, um, it was still just really beautiful and something that I was proud of and everyone was talking about their friends and so my friends have been helping me make movies since I was in middle school and I'd never been able to pay them before. And so being able to pay everyone their like entire rate for the first time in my life, um, all of that was just my happy ending. It was really, really cool to, even though I had like lost friends, I got to see who was like really down for me and I was able to pay them. And it, that was just cool. 
So Gio, um, happy accident, something that hadn't planned that you were happy about, and your greatest challenge? Um, I think kind of like mine is a mix of both, really. And I said this last night. Um, when I originally wrote this script, uh, they have interactions with this star through the telescope. And I kind of imagined it more animated in a way. And I think it's one of those things of like, you spend so much time with a project, it transforms. And I think it's so easy to like lose track of certain small details sometimes. At least for this one, it, it was, um, that happened for me. Where I, by the time I got it into post-production, I went really in the realism sphere of it with just kind of making a little After Effects thing of stars in the sky. And it looked like any kind of normal uh, glance through a telescope. And so it was kind of like this realization that by the time we got into sound design and we were trying to hammer down the sound for the star as it sings to them, it just wasn't playing well. And so it really took like some time to talk with my sound designer and I just, I realized that we needed to go completely left field and actually talking with um, one of our main actresses, Celine LaGrange, um, she was like, why isn't it animated? And I was like, dude, that's what I wanted from the beginning and I forgot. <laughs> so, and I was like, damn, I got like one month to pump this out before the Atlanta Film Fest submission. I gotta do it, let's go. And so I spent, you know, like 10 days in my room, the lights, you know, I, I boarded up my wall instead of using Duvetine to block out the windows, I would just gaff tape my blanket to the, the window shears. Um, and, it, and I looked like I was uh, plotting like an apocalyptic runaway somewhere, but it was just my room and doing stop motion stuff. And so, you know, I think that one of the toughest things was kind of reminding myself to always stay open and listen to myself. And it's just so funny how sometimes, you know, projects get so stacked with so many different uh, variables that coming back down to it, there's still these core ideas that we're really interested in exploring. And the best way to explore that was something that I was thinking about like a long time ago. Um, I just had to listen to myself. And I'm really grateful that I had such a strong team that they you know, were so down to share what they thought we should do. And um, yeah, it was just a big game of yes and, a very like improvised kind of listening. Nice. Uh, Madison, happy accident and biggest challenge. Yeah, I think, you know, with it being my first time directing on my own, I was really nervous about like not getting what I would need in the editing room and wanting to have a lot of different shots. And with the way that our days worked out, it was an 11 page script and we had to do nine of them on the first day. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I had a bunch of shots and we were probably about halfway, maybe a little bit more through the day. And Jono, who's a really, uh, a very experienced director is looking at me like, no way, there's just no way. And so I saw him put his head together with my AD who'd flown in, um, a friend of mine from New York who'd flown in for us and they like scribble away on a piece of paper and then they presented me with, uh, I think you can bind these five into this one and these four into this one. Um, and it was, it was such a great lesson for me and like, first of all, trusting your team, like your team can come in and, and save the day, especially when you're wearing a lot of hats on set. Um, and 
we had everything that I needed. By the time I sat down with my editor, Steph Jones, it was it was so easy to see how this movie came together, and I didn't need all that extra stuff. That was just my fear, and I was trying to I was trying to pad the shot list so that I was less afraid. Um, and then I would say the happy accident, something that was really meaningful for me. Um, the, the, the short is about a, a girl band uh, of four women, and uh, I play the only fat one. The other three women are thin, and so for my casting process, it was this weird thing of like, who are the thinnest people I know, which is never something I've thought about before. Um, but uh, after I sent the script and we had a little table read, one of them, you know, reached out to me separately, and and you know, she was like, I. I've never thought about any of this before. Like I, I read this and it rings so true and I understand so clearly, but I never ever thought about it. And since then I see her posting all the time work from fat liberationists and fat politic articles and she's really like paying attention. Um, and, and as a person who's not fat for her to sort of uh, uplift people in those spaces and share that kind of uh, that kind of activism um, is really meaningful uh, to me. Um, and it just sort of illustrated for me, you know, I wrote this for myself, right? It's very specific. It is very um, true to my experience, but I actually think that when you get that specific, that's sort of the um, opportunity for empathy to seep in. When you really drill in on a human experience that is so specific that's what feels the most human um, and people can find their own way to connect to it even if it's not their direct uh, life path um, and that was that was really special for me yeah that's fantastic um, and also not to diminish that point but to go back to your ad point this is why you need good ADs when you're on set because an AD doesn't just stand there and go we're losing light we're losing light we gotta go they're not just there to order you around a good AD should think like a director and understand how to tell you how to combine your shots to move faster because every director, it doesn't matter whether it's a hundred million dollar movie or a zero million or a, a zero million dollar movie, a one dollar movie, you always, you never have enough time and enough money and directors always want to shoot more than what we have time for and having a good AD, like you always get to the lunch and you're like, shit, I haven't even gotten one fourth through my shot list. How am I possibly gonna do this without ruining everything? And those are the happy accidents as well that really um, show what a, a really great first AD is. So if you are a director and you've got a friend making a movie, maybe consider being an AD. They don't want to hear how you direct it. You still have to be thinking about how they direct it, but it's a really great way to help you get what you need on your day. Um, all right, Joshua, tell us a little bit about your happy accident, if you had one, and uh, biggest challenge. Yeah, uh, man, that shoot was uh, a equipment malfunction galore. Um, you know, we had, we shot it in two days, but in those two days, you know, we had camera issues, we had um, Steadicam gimbal issues. Um, you know, we had, we shot somewhere in a park, you know, and we had some of the owners, you know, kind of do some things. And so we were, it was just one of those things where I had to um, just kind of like fight for the film, you know, and really just believe in it and, and also just like problem solve and uh, not give up on the film. I think a lot of times, you know, people are seeing you struggle and they're watching you and they're just like, I just don't tell them, you know what I mean? But then it's like, no, you know, we're out here, you know what I mean? We're out here, we have options, we have choices, let's do this, you know? And I think uh, that was one of those things, those, it was one of those shoots that 
I'm glad we stuck with it, you know, and didn't like postpone it because of the time, because I don't think it would have gotten done if we had. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Well, we're almost out of time for the first group of filmmakers. And we actually kind of are, but I talked a little bit about the beginning and I got time at the end and I run this place, so I can do whatever I want as long as you guys stay. Um, all right, so uh, parting thoughts. Is there something that you haven't talked about in your Q&As? Um, or that you want to tell them about your film. Um, obviously, if you haven't seen the films, they are available virtually, so you can go into the virtual catalog and watch everything if you haven't seen them, and I recommend that you do. Um, but is there something that you'd like to talk about your film um, or experience before I kick you off stage and bring the other ones in? Well, how about words of advice? I mean, you talked about Joshua like never giving up. You know, and I think yesterday in our panel with the Kodak thing, um, Gio, you were talking about how like your film, you don't know what happened to the film, but it didn't process right. And it was kind of a disaster. And yet you found a way to make that work. And then he went on to win the 100 Feet of Film contest with the film that came out poorly, you know? So, I mean, he could have given up and just said, screw it, I don't know how to make this work. I'm not gonna even turn this in, you know? Um, and you, you, Thought through that, you know, that turned out to be a happy accident, you know, you won the competition. So um, talk a little bit about, I guess, never giving up or advice for filmmakers who are trying to, you know, persevere through their first project and, you know, that have everyone in here a filmmaker? Raise your hand. Yeah. Raise your hand. Yeah. Dope. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's just never never giving up like, <laughs> like I said but how do you get like how do you get to that mindset because every everything is shitting on you and you're like how how do I go on like how like for me I flipped the script in my head and I found that grad I'm not religious in any way but gratitude is a thing I never like I was like why are you grateful you work for that shit but I found that when things are going poorly and I flip it and go okay like what is the one good thing can I hold on to one nugget of good like that flips it in my head and then I have a new attitude and suddenly magic happens. Yeah. So what is the thing that helps you guys persevere? Um, I think for me, I, I am religious and spiritual. So I know like my relationship with God, I journal, like I'm a writer in every sense of the word. Um, so I have all my journals from like second grade up until now. And so a lot of times I'll go back and read my journals. And when I was younger, journaling for me was actually writing movies. So they're really weird. Um, I used to I used to write as if I was Anne Frank, because um, I saw that movie when I was little. It's, it's really weird. And then I used to write as if I was really, as if I was on the trail of tears. <laughs> and then the third person I used to journal as was a little girl in Africa pre-colonization. And I would just like remind myself, like you weren't this weird ass kid for no reason. Like <laughs> you have to become a filmmaker. Like you have to tell these stories or else you were just this weird third grader for nothing. Like you cannot give up and just give yourself those pep talks. Um, connecting with my inner child has also been important for me. Like I said, because I have wanted to be a filmmaker for such a long time. And it's just like, you can't let your 10 year old self down. And every time I'm able to do that, I'm able to pray and get strength from God. I swear, I like, I, I level up a little bit and it doesn't mean that it happens overnight. 
um, the stuff with the girls' room happened in 2017, and I didn't release anything again until, sorry about that, I don't know if y'all familiar with that. Yeah, and um, we released that in 2020, and then artistic. Um, I went to college, so I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I swear I'm gonna make a point. But I went to college and my school didn't have a film program. And my freshman year, anyone that would listen, I was like, we've got it, we've got to make a film program. Let's do a student film festival. And for four years, everyone was like, no, no, no. And then finally senior year, um, spring before everyone got to graduate except for me because I had dropped out and went back. <laughs> but I wanted to do it before all my friends graduated. I finally met a professor that was like, this is an excellent idea. We're gonna do a student um, film festival at Spelman College. And it was the very first one. And I could have given up my freshman year, you know? I could have given up my sophomore year. I could have given up my junior year. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna stop. And now that film program is still going on and girls don't have to struggle the way I did in film. And so you have to think about the fact that it's not, you giving up, if you give up, you don't just give up for you, but you give up for people that are coming up under you. And that sounds like it's a lot of weight to carry, but I swear it's not. <laughs> uh, Gio, what do you got to say? Follow her again, I'm sorry. I know. Take really this the wrong way, I should have saved her for last. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm older too. By the time Gio's my age, he's gonna probably be on his second A24 film. <laughs> well, the way independent <laughs> films are going, A24 won't exist anymore, like all the other ones done, and they'll be no, something new. They're making, money. Money. they're making money again. Well, you know, for the short time, we'll see. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, I'm playing the long game. Like I've seen them all come and go. So, but I'm hopeful because I like their work. Me too. Anyway, all right. What you got? Okay, so to follow Nina, I'd like everybody to close their eyes and not look at me, because um, I, because it's a lot. I'm just kidding. Please don't. Um, keep your eyes open. It's fine. Um, so I, I, it really took me a minute to like think about how to answer this, and I think listening to Nina talk really like had something ringing in my head. Um, the voice of my mom. My mom always tells me that you are. I'm a filmmaker. You are a filmmaker. And I think it's so easy because a lot of us like get caught up in, you know, we have to take other jobs. We have to, when we're on the indie level, we really have to find a way to survive, which is like, it's totally cool to do that. You have to do that. But at the end of the day, if you're making a film, if you're working on a film, you're a filmmaker and nobody can take that away from you. That's, that's what my mom said and that's what I try to keep and remind myself of. So, you know, if you haven't made a film in like, Five years, ten years, you're still a filmmaker. You got a good mom, uh, Madison. Oh, I uh, I have this metaphor that I come back to over and over again. I developed it when I was teaching a screenwriting class, um, and it applies to I think a filmmaking career, but also um, I'm an actor and a screenwriter, and and these are all really uncertain. Um, paths that we've all sort of chosen to take and I hear a lot of people talk about like you know what's your dream what's your goal what's the top of the mountain for you and I as I thought about it I was like I don't think it can be a mountain for me because mountains have peaks and you either get to it or you don't and so it's this sort of sense of either victory or failure, and that's a lot to put on a person, that's a lot to put on myself. And so I think about this career that I'm doing as like this flat, endless, foggy, 
field where you can't even see like 10 inches in front of you and you just have to look around and then you, you walk, you take a step and you don't know where you're going and you don't know what's gonna get you there, but you have to keep walking like you guys are saying and uh, everything that you do, every audition you do, every film that you make, every person you meet, every um, you know script that you send out to be read, it's like sending a flare up into the sky and eventually someone's gonna show up on your path and they're gonna say, I was looking up at the right time. And now they're gonna walk with you. And everything that you do together, that's more flares and more fire in the sky. And the goal for me is that my, my path is so full of people that have become a part of my community and my sky is so full of fire that I can't see the fog anymore. And that is purpose. Um, and, and that's something that you can just do. <laughs> you can just keep doing that and there's no money, there's no fame, there's no outside influence attached to that sense of I have my people and we're telling the stories that we want to tell. Um, and, and that keeps me going every day. And that brings up a really good point someone said to me recently. Like when you hear a no, it's not no, it's not now. So when someone turns you down or something goes wrong, just because a lot of times you meet somebody and it, it's not now, but you're building a relationship for the future and then it becomes a yes later. Um, Joshua, any words of, of wisdom to follow all these brilliant people? No pressure. Um, no pressure. Yeah, no, I, I, kind of similar to what um, Madison said in this idea that like, um, you're not just doing it for yourself. Um, Community is important. There's just people that I've surrounded myself that won't let me give up. So I have to to come back on. Um, uh, just there's just people that I've kept around me that just won't let me give up. You know what I mean? That they're just as committed to you know me going after you know my dreams and ambitions that you know as much as I am. And even if I have those moments where I'm like. You know, it's imposter syndrome. Like, do I really belong in this space? You know, are these, you know, is this all just fake? And it might all be fake, but at least just do it well. Like, you know, um, you know, it's and so just having, you know, people around me that just are, are constantly trying to, you know, show support and, and won't let me give up. Just investing time in that. Like, you know, film is collaborative for a reason. You know, and, you know, I, I think there is just a lot of times this sensationalizing, especially. In, you know, in the city, sometimes just doing it all by yourself, and it really puts a lot of weight on you, you know, that we're not really supposed to have as humans, I don't feel, you know, I think we're supposed to be, you know, being around other folk and, and, and sharing thoughts and, and hearing perspectives that you wouldn't um, be, be able to, like, know on your own, you know, just in your own world, so I think that's just important, you know, I, I think it, it also gets rid of this idea of being alone. You know what I mean? When you're alone, uh, you feel like the world's against you. But then when you're around, around other people who are sharing in certain, like specific pains and sharing certain struggles, you're able to like say, hey, why don't we just do this together? Let's just find this place for us inside of our heart. You know? And I think that's been the biggest helpful part for me, just not doing it by myself. That's great. All right, uh, round of applause, everybody. And now I'm gonna quick you all off.
Funny how for me that idea just came from scrolling through Facebook and then I just started seeing weird people like, it's like your friend liked this article about young men who have erectile dysfunction. Um, you know, nowadays more, more young men are more likely to have erectile dysfunction. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Let me make a movie about it. And then from that singular idea, I just started to think about what the film actually was because I didn't want it to be some type of piece about erectile dysfunction. I just wanted to I wanted to create a general theme about what sex is like and how scary sex is portrayed in our culture. And so and then personifying that fear within this one singular character. So that's that's how I started just constructing the actual story of the film. Um, so Lev um, yours is Free Noir Papillon. Did I say that right? All right, because I fail miserably at French words generally. Um, so from the In My Town Shorts block, so your film is experimental. Um, tell us a little bit about you as a filmmaker. I haven't seen you in a couple years because we haven't been in person, um, but I remember your face for years sitting out in the audience. So when I saw that you got into the festival, I was super excited. Um, because I have seen you forever talking to filmmakers. Um, tell us where this idea came from and a little bit about yourself as a filmmaker. Well, thank you, Linda. Uh, and thank you, everybody here and everyone on stage. Um, I, I wasn't one of the people who grew up wanting to be a filmmaker. Um, I did have a pretty like visual childhood in terms of visual arts. My, my family encouraged it. Um, both my parents are artists of some sorts. Uh, but when I grew up, I essentially became a scientist. I have a degree in biology. I was doing cancer research. Um, but you're supposed to save the world, not make movies. <laughs> I keep meeting these people who are like, I was going to Emory and I was about to be a doctor, but then I decided I wanted to be a PA in film, and I'm like, no. Well, I, I didn't really want to be a PA in film either. Uh, what, I, what I realized, um, and this is while I was still in college, um, and I think this is. Again, not to skip questions, but I think this is something that I very quickly realized was really important in deciding that I wanted to do filmmaking. And I tell this to people in general, is that um, on one hand, I realized I have like a passion for it, right? Like, I was like, I think I have a talent for it. I think I have like an ability to think visually, um, maybe from my childhood. So I think I can do this. But the other hand is I, I had a patience for it. And I think what everybody has said, it takes forever to make even sometimes the shortest things. And so I think that the combination of passion and patience is super crucial because you have to be willing, unless you can pay everybody to do everything, you have to have the patience to sit with your work and really figure out what it is before you shoot it, right? You really have to spend a lot of time, and I'm somebody that takes a lot of time trying to understand why I'm making this, because Linda's right, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't really believe that, you know, like, all of this can change the world. Like, I, I think it's very important that the, I, I think of film as this cultural labor, right? So there's a lot of different laborers. There's, you know, cultural labor. There's educational labor. There's care labor. So this is just one form of labor, and I don't think it's any more important than any other form of labor. Um, but if I'm going to spend my time doing this type of cultural labor, why am I doing it? Like, I don't want to feel like I'm creating something that I don't 100% believe in and trust and feels important. And so uh, when I decided to become a filmmaker, uh, the, the thing that I decided to keep 
in the back of my mind that I always come back to it is, um, because I realized that when it came to science, a part of me like, I was like, I wanna win a Nobel Prize or, or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, it's like not a great, it's, you don't wanna work from that premise, um, which is also like impossible. But uh, with filmmaking, I was like, no, I think this is gonna make my life more interesting. And it really has, I mean, everything about my life in the past, you know, I guess seven or eight years has been a reflection of me deciding to do this form of labor because um, it, it brought me into a lot of different communities. Because again, I don't like the idea that if you're a filmmaker, you're just like in the film world and that's your silo. I, I really believe that um, if you want to be fulfilled in whatever you do, but for me, filmmaking, um, it, it is your ability to engage with the world around you. And so how this film comes about is um, friend, uh, my friend Faye, uh, we've been friends for a long time. She's a great dancer. And again, when I moved to Atlanta, I was going to be just in the film world. I was like, let me meet dancers, let me meet painters, let me be people in every different type of, you know, organizers, activists, whatever. I'm, I'm just curious about people who are really, again, passionate about what they do and also have a patience for what they do. And so Faye is a dancer. And we wanted to work on something for many years. It just didn't come together for a while. Um, and then I was, in 2017, I was in Ukraine, and I'm, I'm from Ukraine, and I was visiting my grandmother, um, and she was she had just turned 70 at the time, and for me, this was like my first time back in Ukraine in like, I don't know, maybe a decade, and it was a pretty cool opportunity to reconnect with her, and I also ended up making a, a documentary film about that experience of reconnecting with my grandmother, and at the time, I was also reading a book called The Woman Born by Adrian Rich, just sort of about uh, childbirth and, and motherhood and sort of the really fucked up ways our society treats that experience. And so when I came back to Atlanta, Faye was like, uh, I'm pregnant. Well, it wasn't me, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, she was just like, hey, I'm pregnant, like, just so you know. Like, what she found, what she found, yeah, no, she has a partner in Andrew, he's great. Uh, what she found is that a lot of people, artists, right, as soon as she said, I'm pregnant, all of a sudden stopped hitting her up, you know, to like dance, to perform, like all of a sudden she became like, like, oh, well, you're, you're this thing now. You're not, you know, how are you gonna dance as a pregnant woman? Like, I don't know, it's, they don't trust it. So I was like, well, I just made a movie about my grandmother, who's old, or, um, I mean, you know, relative to a baby. And so I was like, well, what, what if I made a film about, like, so I just made a film about reconnecting with, like, my ancestry and my roots and my grandmother. What if I make a film helping, like, I don't know, create something about a new life coming into this world in a very crazy time? And so me and Faye created this, I was, I, I was like, hey, do you want me to just start filming you? And she was like, yes, everybody, no one wants to work with me right now. I want to make something. So we started working together. I was documenting her, you know, going to her uh, ultrasounds and, her appointments with her doula, and you know, for her it was really important because she wanted to highlight, you know, and our block, by the way, is really good. I think it's really well curated if you can come on Wednesday because it has a lot of themes that work off each other really well, um, especially with maternal mortality rates. And so for her, Georgia being one of the highest mortality rates in the world, in the country, um, being, I think Georgia is number one right now, um, and higher than Ukraine, by the way. It's, it says something, um, especially for black women. Um, so she wanted to make sure that that's like, that's like something she wants to talk about. She wants to talk about how dangerous it is to have children, you know, the, the lack of care for, for women who have you know, become mothers. So uh, I was like, yeah, I'm all in for that. Let's just like start filming. And we 
created sort of, I guess you could say, like a documentary trailer. It was like a five-minute short that kind of encompassed what we had done. And I was there when she gave birth. It was like a natural water birth in a hospital. And so um, I was kind of there for a lot of things. And that five-minute trailer got us a grant from Film Impact Georgia, which I, you know, so definitely check out their grant cycles, support them, go to their events, they have a lot of resources. They're awesome, like, you know, multiple filmmakers in the local bunch. Um, if not, we're funded by them, if we've got some kind of support. And so uh, that all being said, we got the money and then COVID happened. Um, and so this film that we created uh, was us pivoting and being like, okay, um, we're not gonna do what we originally planned. Can, what, what can we use the money for that we wouldn't be able to create without money, essentially? Because I can always pick up a camera and do documentary on my own, more or less. I can't do what we did with our film without any money. Uh, so that, that's kind of how the film came to be is, is, and I can talk more about those details, but um, it was her exploring her second pregnancy. Um, the, the, the name of the boy is Freemore Papillon, which is because the film is named after Free Black Butterfly. And it was her reflecting on what it means to bring a new boy, a black baby boy into the world in 2020 especially. And you know, whereas the first experience was this really joyful, positive experience, the second one was actually a lot scarier and a lot darker, and uh, she wanted to figure out how do I process all of that in, in something that, how do I turn all of that into something beautiful? And so I was like, well, let's work on that together. And I think we did something really great. So that, that's, that's the long answer to all of that. Hey. But that's a great answer. Also, Linda. I just saw yeah, Christian Christian's here. <laughs> Oh, Christian, Come get up here. Get up there. <laughs> All right, so this is Christian Jones, Glitterate Gold. Yeah. Um, great film. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't pick favorites, but it was my favorite. <laughs> I try not to pick favorites. I say it every year, and I always pick a favorite, and that was a favorite. Um, so, Christian, um, and I think you went to South by Southwest, too. Yes. And you got like an honorable mention or something because of how badass your film was, right? Uh, yes, a special jury recognition. Yeah. I'm so sorry for being late. No, that's okay. That's okay. I'm happy you're here and I'm glad they let me know. So, um, and perfect timing. So, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are as a filmmaker. Was this your first movie? And where did the idea for your film come from? Um, so, I'm Christian Nolan Jones. I'm from the east side of Atlanta. I live on the west side now. So it's a little bit of a conflict of interest. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I wanted to make a film about buying my first fake chain. It's like uh, a memory that's always stuck with me. Um, and so the character is in the sixth grade in the film, but I was in the fourth grade. Um, and the, the chain itself, I don't have it anymore. But um, just like how hard I went for getting the chain is, is just something like that, that has stuck with me ever since then. And you know, my mom told me not to buy it. She's like, it's gonna turn your neck green, turn your neck green. So, you know, but it didn't matter because you know when I put it on, it, it was a really uh, special moment for me. So yeah. Yeah, you captured that really, really well. Um, Thank you. So, um, talk a little bit more about who you are as a filmmaker. Like, is this the do? Is this your first film? And if not, is this kind of where the style, you know, are do you explore your own experiences or are you looking for outside influence? Um, 
for me, I have to like really, I guess, attach myself to the material in some way. But um, I do like exploring like my own personal experiences. Um, like I said, this is a, a story that's solely about um, myself, but this is my third short out of school. If we're counting all those shorts, it would be like my 20th. And I hope nobody ever sees any of that work. <laughs> but that's what helped you develop your voice. So it's important yes, work, just not anything we have to see. Yes, I, I mean, I did share it for a while, like maybe the first year out of film school, and I wasn't, uh, people weren't really gravitating towards it, so <laughs> started slowly burying it. But no, it, it did help me with my voice, and I think that that's the cool thing about film school because you get to learn a lot about, you know, the process of filmmaking, you know, through production and, and working in different roles, but then also you get to see sort of like what other people gravitate towards and, you know, what you sort of feel like um, would be good for you in your process. So, you know, I realized very quickly that I didn't want to be a grip um, and I, I didn't want to, you know, do sound, even though I did all of those things in film school, uh, it was just all about directing for me, and I think it's worked out so far, so yeah. Excellent. So, um, going back to the question I asked all of them, which you can answer or not on the budget question, but what was your budget, where did you find a crew, and um, uh, how did you, what was it, how did, budget, crew size, and how did you put your crew together? We'll start with you, Allison. Sure. Um, for this particular short, I mean, it it was different from ones I've done in the past. The ones I've done in the past have been more, uh, I don't know, a little bit more grounded in narrative than this. Um, so this one had a pretty small budget. It was really um, a few rolls of film, getting it, uh, I bought the material to process it myself, so like all those supplies, and I bought the chemistry, and then I got it scanned, and all in all, it was well under a thousand dollars, but there are ones I've made in the past that were closer to between two and three. Um, they've all been self-funded, which I self-funding is you know I, I like it because you have the, you know you can somehow scrape it together. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to wait for anybody's approval. You don't have to trust anyone else to like it. Like, yeah, I know. Like I don't care if it's weird. I like it. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, then you know you're, you're funding yourself, and that's 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 tough. Um, but that's what I've done. Uh, again, I, as I said, I work with a group of maybe like six filmmakers. Um, a few gravitate more toward um, writing and acting, and then there are a couple of us who direct, and then um, uh, maybe three of us who are like totally into 16 millimeters, so we all just kind of help each other in various ways and do it for free, and it's a really special group. And if you can find a group of friends like that who are willing to help you, if you're gonna be helping them, that's that's a very special thing. Um, and you know, and also as I said, I really prefer a smaller group just because I feel like we're getting better and better at it and more and more efficient. You don't have like people kind of standing around. And I feel like it lets you be a little more flexible, especially if you're gonna be like shooting without a permit somewhere and you wanna like run away quickly. Like it's easier if there's six of you and not like, all right, let's get the caravan. So I've like, never done that, never done it, never done it, never done it. But I have it would be easier. So um, that's how I do it. budget was $4,500 um, and that was actually like the first time I didn't put my money into it. Um, so I, 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 Georgia State University had 
has this thing called Neo Network, which that's a different story. So I'm not really thanking them. Something <laughs> happened after. Uh, <laughs> and this is why I don't record panels. <laughs> Uh, but um, I got hired to make uh, a film for them. Uh, essentially, this you know the, the, that was a great thing that they allowed me uh, complete creative freedom with the project, um, and they give you a budget and they give you a quote unquote director's fee because you're working technically for the state. Uh, so that's that's how I got that funding. Um, in terms of the crew. It's kind of cool that when you walk up to a local ICG, like the local 600, and say, hey, I need a loader who can load my film camera, they get really excited about doing that. So, I, and at that time, I was working at every rental. So a lot of, a lot of the people that would come in to prep and stuff, um, I was able to have a lot of that camera support. And they also helped my cinematographer, Luke, um, throughout the process. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, our, our crew size was about 25, and you know, so we, it was a five-day shoot every weekend in a row. Um, one of the hardest things that I've gone through as a director, um, because I, I was also a producer, I like to just kind of keep a handle on budgets and stuff like that when I direct. Um, so, you know, and, that, that, that process was really hard just to keep everything in budget, especially shooting on film. So that'd be so exact. Um, and there is a happy accident that happened because- You don't get to tell us yet. <laughs> Save that for later. I will. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, at, at that point, uh, for me, production design was very important, feeding people and all the really good friends that came on board in this project and all the actors that were just really excited to tell the story. And, um, and yeah, just keeping track of that budget was really hard. Yeah, I was talking yesterday during the film panel. Like, as a production manager, when I hear high-speed film going through the camera, it makes like this high-pitched whine, yeah. and literally my eye starts to twitch. You can just say high-speed film, and my eye starts to twitch because it's just cha ching cha ching cha ching cha ching cha ching cha ching. I used to do music videos, and I'm like. Well, that was $10,000 in the blink of an eye. It was painful, painful. That's the tough part with shooting film, especially when you grow up on digital because you feel like, okay, well, I can just let the camera roll and you can't do that with film. But it makes you a better director because you have to be super, super prepared and know exactly what you need to get and how much footage. You have to do math. Math is important in film. Um, so let's talk a little bit about yours. Budget, I, mean, I assume because it was a documentary and you were kind of following her life that you had a pretty small crew just because of the intimacy of it? Well, so the original thing we were working on was the documentary. The, the, film, the film that's playing here is, it has documentary elements. Uh, I was there when she gave birth the second time. Uh, that was just me with the camera. <laughs> You know, you can always talk about budgets. I mean, how much does it cost for me to have a camera, right? Like, there's always these investments that you make over you know, years of just like, well, let me get this lens or let me get this. So I'm always very careful about what I get because I don't have unlimited money, you know? Um, everything I pay for myself. So uh, I always invest in things that I feel like I really need if I want to make something on my own, essentially. And so, you know, I have that. This film though, um, we got the $5,000 Film Impact Georgia grant, uh, which is great because it's a no strings attached grant. I mean, they hopefully, you know, they pick a person that's gonna do 
something good with it, but there isn't, like, I pitched a documentary and I did not make a documentary. It has documentary elements. It's, it's a hybrid, I guess you could say. Um, but the, this film, in addition to the 5,000, I probably put in probably another three or four into the production out of my own pocket because once you start spending money, it's so easy to spend money. And that's, you know, compared to you know, 80,000. But once you start spending money, you go, oh, right, like we need a scissor lift. Uh, I guess that's $800 um, to have it on set or the COVID testing, uh, having good quality food, having warm breakfast, you know, all of that stuff, uh, you know, especially if I'm gonna spend money, I wanna make sure that it's good. And also you don't want to forget post-production, right? So I, I, I put all the money to post-production, to festivals. So all in all, I probably spent about 10 grand on this film. Uh, plus my director, uh, my producer uh, definitely charged some money to the game, as he says. So that means he just was like, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll cover this a little bit, you know, cut it, cut it out of my fee or cut it out of whatever. Uh, and then the actual crew, we had about 10 people and that was a really solid group of people. I brought on Kevin and uh, Kevin Wall and Landon. Uh, they're, they do S2S productions. They're sick. They can make your five or eight thousand dollars make look like fifty or eighty, just because of, they have a lot of deep connections in this city. And I think that's important. You know, it's like not you don't necessarily have to be best friends with everyone on set. You just have to be really good friends with somebody who also has really good friends, <laughs> and then they bring their really good friends because they trust their really good friends, right? So that, that's the other part. Um, so they were able to get a really solid crew. And you know, I, I, the location was through my connections with Magdalena and Faye. Um, and it, it all worked together really well. And like, yeah, everything just comes down to like how, you know, if we're shooting and we're getting all these like higher, more expensive rooms with lights and, and a nicer camera, and nicer, everything kind of starts to add up. We have 10 people, we paid everyone on set. So it does all start to add up. And I also had a really good cinematographer, Amber. I worked with her before in the film. Uh, she shot an older film that I did called Birth of Pleasure. So I had a, the people that I had in the key positions were people that I really trusted and really knew. And the flip side of that, they also really trusted me, I think. I'd like to think so. I think a part of that is because like I said, I'm not gonna make something that I don't really believe in when I bring people in to make a film. I really try to explain to them what I'm trying to make and why and be very specific. That's not to mean that they don't have a lot of input. The input just has to come from like the source, right? The core. If I can really communicate the core, then all the money, all the budget, all the people, everything can kind of like serve that. And that core is beyond me, right? It's, it's something I'm trying to reach beyond myself and beyond Faye, like that's like the deeper thing, right? So like if we can go there and I can communicate what I think that core is to everybody else, then we can figure out how to structure our shoot around that. And that's kind of how that went. Um, yeah, and I think it went really well overall. And I guess that's perfect answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a couple things, Fig, Film Impact Georgia. Um, they have a lot of resources. Um, they raise money from the community to give grants to filmmakers and screenwriters from projects they pick. Um, so they've got a Facebook page and a website. Definitely go check them out. Um, so um, Christian, I saw, because a lot of people's credits didn't come up uh, in the version that I saw um, on the back end of the system, but I did see yours and I swear 
uh, saw coming as the executive producer. So I'm guessing you got some sort of story like Nina had. So I don't know if you want to talk about what your budget size was. You don't have to. But what was your budget if you want to talk about it? How did Common get involved? I'm tossing that one in there. And then crew size and how did you put your team together? My budget wasn't as big as Nina's. Um, but it was pretty big. It was uh, 35K for production, um, thereabouts. We had to raise a little bit more money um, after we went over during production, I think like towards like the latter day. Um, it was three day shoot, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, Common actually, it's really funny, I haven't really told too many people this, but so I got connected to him through a college friend like years ago. And um, basically, you know, we, we hit it off like uh, after a, a drunken conversation at Crosby Hotel in New York. And I got him to admit that Gucci Mane was uh, one of the most influential rappers of the last decade. And he hated it, but he had to agree. Um, so like after that, whenever he would come to New York, uh, we would play spades together. And um, like he would be my spades partner. And I, I would, Tell my mom about this, and I'm like, wow, this is like, so weird. Like, I'm, <laughs> I play spades with Common like every other weekend. What's going on? Um, but, you know, through that, I didn't really ask him for anything up front. Like, I just sort of just like let the relationship develop like naturally. Um, and, you know, he would always say, like, well, what are you working on? Like, how can I help you? What, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, uh, Glitter came up and I was like, okay, like this could be something, you know, that I can work with, with him and his team with. And um, he had started this creative collective called Stardust Kids. And the idea was to sort of like help us with our projects. Um, and I said, hey man, this is something that I'm really passionate about. You know, like, would you want to support me in this? And um, he said yes, and I, I talked to the rest of the team, and you know they agreed. And I told them how much, and they didn't really bat an eye. And I was like, dang, I should ask for more. <laughs> That's pocket change. That's like you know a, a late night food run. Yes, no, definitely it, it actually. Is. <laughs> I know. I made those late night food runs for that. I, so yeah. Yes, I, I, I've seen them spend money before, and it's it's like mind blowing. But. Um, <laughs> It's it's um, it, it's really cool because it was like sort of the best of both worlds. Like I, I got this person to sort of like um, fund this project. And then at the same time, like right before I got on set, I was like, you know, you've been kind of hands off. Like I wanna sort of like bring you into the fold more. He's like, I mean, you guys know how common talks was like. Christian, I support you, bro. So I don't do it. That's, that's a terrible comment, person. <laughs> uh, love, peace. <laughs> oh, you know what so yeah, I mean, um, you know, he he was like, you know, I'm just happy to be able to be a part of this in this way, and you know, Stardust Kids, they've been like supportive every step of the way um, with the project, and you don't normally get that out of investors, you know. Um, I've had. My first film was actually um, 
privately financed also, and it was just terrible, like from start to finish, um, in terms of like that relationship. So to see the other side of it has been really cool and to be able to create with like, you know, the understanding that whatever comes on the other end, they trust, um, you know, what, what's, what's gonna come out of uh, the edit. But to bring the crew together, I, we actually work with um, a lot of the same people that I've worked with on my last two projects. So I, I try to keep the same synergy just because it's easier to communicate ideas. Um, and a lot of us have talked about trust. And I think that that trust is important, definitely for for um, your crew to have in you, but also to be able to be vulnerable with your ideas too, and not feel like, oh, this is like really silly, what I'm telling you. Um, so yeah. I think the key to that kind of investment is that they don't expect a return. Like anybody who expects a return off a short film, you either lied to them and told them they were gonna get one and they weren't, but most investors want a return on investment. But you have to find those angel investors who believe you in a part, who like, like you're a spades partner. He already knows he likes you. So it's like, I can help you out. And having those angel investors, they're so hard to find, but they're super important. Um, so we're gonna go long, cause you guys just need to wait until rush hour traffic <laughs> anyway. So we're gonna take an extra 10 minutes to, to get through the end of this. Um, so happy accidents, the hardest thing you had to overcome and a happy accident. And Allison, I will start with you. For this particular project, I feel kind of like the bulk of it was a happy accident. Like I really just took these cartridges of Super 8 and was like, we're putting them in beer. I bought some like gel silica granules that got dumped in there. There was some Kool-Aid involved. Like I didn't, I had some sense of what it could do, but I wasn't totally sure. I was like, oh, I could have just ruined this. So that, you know, I'm glad that I didn't. Um, I guess, I think the hardest part is just with every film, Again, when you're an independent director, you're just the one who's always pushing, pushing, pushing all the time, and that just gets really exhausting. And I feel like there have been shoots that I've been directing before where like something happens, either it becomes like a certain hour or trying to do a hard thing, I just suddenly wanna cry. And one of them was like after a break, and I was like, this guy doesn't love me anymore, I can't do it. And I was like, hey, get it together, you gotta film right now. I'm like, okay, fine. But, like there's, I, there's just, I don't know, there's a moment where all that stuff can become too much and there can be multiple moments. And also the edit is hard too. I mean, uh, I kind of mentioned this at the plaza screening the other night, but like, you know, you have a plan for a shoot and then you start editing it and you've got all these pieces. It's like you've like taken apart a radio and you're looking at the piece and you're like, oh my God, what? Can I put, is this a thing? Like, I don't know. And you just have, I don't know, uh, just a real artistic panic, an existential panic, a shame panic, and like, oh my god, what have I done? But then you just, you know, keep playing with it and it becomes a thing, and you're like, oh yeah, it's fine, it is something. But like, I think there are just real moments of deep and profound self-doubt in filmmaking, and you just kind of need to recognize that it's a normal part of the process, even though it's unpleasant, and just like, you know, trust that it's happening, but it's not the only reality about your project, and just kind of going to keep pushing through and then you might have a radio again. Camilla, happy accident, hardest challenge. Uh, well, all the night shoots uh, that we had for deer, specifically the woods part, um, our Jenny just kept dying. And it's one of those where you, the rental house is closed, you know, and you just have one VA running back and forth trying to get the gas because it's the thing is just burning, burning gas for the, for the, you know, the 
lights and stuff. Um, so that one, that one's, and also that, that first, the actually the first night shoot as well uh, of the date scene, um, because I had to rewrite the whole scene when I got to set. Um, there was a couple of scheduling issues that happened that forced me to just have to do uh, a bunch of changes. Um, and then the final one was the last two scenes, the film messed up. So. You were shooting on that same camera again, weren't you? Mm. No, no, it's oh. another. It's a, it was the SR. It was oh. the SR. Uh, the area SR. The last two scenes. I don't know what happened. I think uh, it, was, it was maybe just loaded improperly. Um, so the last two scenes of the film just messed up. It looked like, yeah, really bad. And so, of course, you got the heartache of like, oh my god, the film is not finished. I can't go back to shoot. And I remember sitting outside of uh, Midtown Art Cinema, just waiting for a friend before we went to to watch a movie, and I just closed my eyes and I was like, end it like that. And I was scared to end the film the way it ends. I was really scared. I was like, what am I gonna do to this audience? Um, <laughs> so, where it ends right now is not where it was supposed to end? Yeah. Oh my God, what a happy accident. <laughs> like that is so much, I don't know how it was supposed to end, but I love how it did end. Yeah, no, and, and that was, that, and I was like, okay, no, these are the moments that you just have to commit to, to that moment. And I just decided to just end it where it ended. Um, you can catch it online. Uh, just want to turn up your sound if it's at night and you're, you're having parents up. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, I had my sound turned up way too loud. I was like, whoa! Okay. I don't, there's not even anybody in the house, but I'm going to turn that shit down just a little bit. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest happy accident. And I, I that one, like, as a director, it was like one of those moments where I felt like, oh, cool, I get to have this type of power, you know, and give that to the audience. Nice. So. Excellent. Love, happy accident, biggest challenge. I mean, I think you kind of touched on them, but. That's awesome, by the way. That's like a great. Yeah, that's I, I, I think the ending is great. Um, so I'll say this. Uh, the, the biggest challenge is Faye wanted to make this film because she was in a dark place with her second pregnancy. And we've collaborated together for a, a quite a bit. And for me to have to like, take her uh, anxiety and her fear over being pregnant, which I've never been pregnant, being black, I'm not black, uh, being uh, a mother, you know, because that's separate from the actual pregnancy because that itself is, you know, two different things. So taking all of these things that are not actually things that I have firsthand experience with and then taking her work that she was creating from all of that energy into movement, and I'm not a dancer, and trying to understand what it is she's trying to say with all of that. Um, I, if you haven't seen the film, there's a scene towards the end, right, where it kind of switches at the end to a more documentary part where with her dress and her head, and I was like, for me, that really clicked. I was like, oh, I, I get it. I, I understand how to make this work. And so the challenge of trying to like be really, um, really make sure that I'm doing, you know, honoring everything that she's putting in 
and always double checking with her that I'm in step with what she is thinking. And at the same time, you have to not be afraid to challenge the person too, right? Because if I'm just there to be like, oh, you said this, I'm gonna do this. You want that, I'm gonna do that. Really just being like, yeah, I don't get why you're telling me that this is the way it should be, or why are we gonna do it this way? And so I think that really requires a, a lot of trust between both of us. And I think that's a huge challenge because again, there's a lot of decisions that she was gonna make that I was like, I don't know about that. And and then she afterwards was like, thank you for like pushing me on that because those weren't gonna be the right decisions. And so I think that's the biggest challenge, especially with everything that was going on that year, which is the energy and the intensity. And so I'm really grateful for our friendship and our collaboration and our ability to work in this way. And her, her ability to trust me and also I'm trusting her too you know, to be able to do all of this. Because at the end of the day, the other biggest challenge is she's eight and a half months pregnant, dancing in the film. Like, she's voguing, she's, you know, dropping, like, it's intense. So that's, for her, probably the biggest challenge is, is dancing eight and a half months pregnant. Uh, and it was a bolt, like a big boy. Uh, <laughs> so that was probably the biggest challenge. The, the happy accident, I mean, one, I guess, her, I mean, she said it on stage, her, her baby was an accident. Uh, they weren't planning on having a kid, so that's the happy accident. Uh, but more on set, I'll say that we had this plan. We wanted to use greens, and we're like, that's just going to be so much money, and that's absurd. And we were filming a V complex in Atlanta, you know, with Zelda's bamboo. And I was like, Magdalena, can we just, like, I mean, is anyone going to be mad if we start cutting down the bamboo? She's like, no, you're doing them a favor. They hire people to cut down the bamboo. So we just start taking hacksaws and just start cutting down all the bamboo, not all, there's so much bamboo, but we start cutting down tons of bamboo all around the complex. And she's a welder, because we're in her welding shop. I'm like, can you just start welding metal bases that we can just like skewer all these bamboo pieces? She's like, sure. So I think that's like visually just like a really cool part of the film is just all of the greens and the leaves and the bamboo. And that's just us like that moment, just starting to cut down all this bamboo around the shop and like sticking it on metal spikes which also made it super easy to move. It's super light, it's bamboo, so you can just like reshuffle it around the space. And so I'd say though that's, that's the other little happy accident. Excellent. Christian, hardest challenge, best happy accident. Um, for this project, it was actually like way easier on set than any other project, which was super surprising. Uh, I just kept waiting for something bad to happen. Um, because that's what usually happens on, on film sets. But I think for us, the biggest challenge was the post schedule because we were trying to, we shot it later in the year and we were trying to make deadlines for festivals. Um, so, you know, me and my editor, we would get together probably maybe four out of the seven days of the week, like I would be at his house maybe like three hours. And we would just both be going back and forth from the board. Uh, his name's Chatham. But um, yeah, that that was like really tough just to like not know like if any of the work that we we're doing was even gonna matter. Like are we even gonna be able to get into a festival with the work in progress cut? Um, so, and and then afterwards, we screened it like for like maybe like five friends after we submitted it to Sundance and South By. And then we went back to doing it again. And um, 
at the same time, like I was in and out of the city also. So like whenever I would come back to the city, I would go straight to his apartment and we would just um, work on the edit together. So that was that was really, I guess like a grueling post schedule. Um, and I would say that the happy accident was maybe like, it was like 10 days before we were about to um, shoot, I found out that I had COVID. So, <laughs> yeah, so I had to call my producer. I'll never forget that phone call. I had to call, she was actually with me um, like maybe like two days before. Um, oh yeah, you were everybody's friend. <laughs> we were we were in the car like doing a scout for like two hours and um so I had to call her and tell her you know that I had COVID and um you know that was like a rough phone call because I didn't know like how it would be received um that we would have to push back but actually everyone was like super supportive um and it, it worked out a lot better in terms of our schedule um and we were able to like retain, I think, maybe 90% of the cast and crew. Um, we did have to schedule like a pickup day for the scene that we had with Uncle Duke, like the driving stuff. And that was supposed to be a super simple day and it turned into, it was supposed to be, we, we told people like, hey, you know, it'll just be a five hour day. It turned into this super long day. Um, but everybody was committed um, and it, it worked out for the better, I think like actually taking that scene out of our principal schedule just made it so much easier um, for the rest of the crew. Um, and there would have been so many you know, different variables had we shot that like with everything else because it is car stuff. And you just, you never know like with car mounts and things of that nature, so yeah. Car stuff always takes a long time and never tell your crew it's only gonna be a half day because I don't know how we do it, but a half day always turns into a full day or more. So I don't even bother telling people that anymore because I know it's just a lie. Even though, that, even though we've all agreed it's only gonna be a four hour shoot, it always turns into 10. Um, so we're way over and I know they've gotta come in in the next few minutes. So closing thoughts, either a closing thought about your film or um, advice to you know, a room full of filmmakers, what advice would you give them that they haven't heard yet today? My advice would be to, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> sorry we, we have an order, I should have said Allison. That's all right. Yes. Um, I guess my advice would be, you know, this is hard to do with filmmaking because you need, you know, the help of a lot of other people and you probably need a lot of money. And it, there, there are so many variables that make it hard to do and I'm gonna recommend that you do. But uh, I feel that I have made my best work when I've been able to have um, sort of a flexible, creative, open and playful space for the shoot where you have enough time to be like, you know what, let's just try this or like, let's see how this goes. You know, I think that we, we plan films and say, oh, this is so important, I have to do it for these reasons. And those reasons are totally true and important, but also like, the more you're like, it's gonna happen this way, like the harder it is to make something good, in my opinion. Creativity comes when you're able to be kind of open and relaxed and just have like a, a see what happens attitude towards the project. So anything you can do to grant yourself some amount of openness and playfulness is think a good thing. It's been good for me. I think it's good for you too. Absolutely. Um, for me is look at everything as gold. You know, your friendships, 
uh, heck, a table in your house. You know, that, that's setback right there. Look at everything as gold. Um, because eventually those things are gonna be the things that will help you make your films. And just never stop making them. Never stop making them. Whether it's on an iPhone, whether it's on a 16K3, whatever, like, when you stop the muscles, this is like, you know, being a director is like learning how to play a virtuoso, I see it that way, uh, piano, you know. Uh, on stage with uh, a concerto, uh, the more you wait, the more you will lose your your abilities. And um, just keep it doing. Yeah, keep doing it. That's that's all I have to say. Never stop. It's a muscle that atrophies. Yeah. Love. I think one of the most important things you can have is, is integrity. Um, integrity means that you're honest first and foremost with yourself about why you're making work, why it matters to you, why you're involved with it, and it also means being honest with other people and keeping your word, you know? Uh, if you are making something, and that goes beyond filmmaking, just being able to be honest with other people, I think, is, is super, super important, and telling them exactly why you're asking them to be involved, and why you're asking to work with them, or why you think your project is important. And I think that honesty, is, is kind of the cornerstone of anything that you do. And I think we live in a very alienating, atomized, neoliberal capitalist prison. And it is something that is always trying to divide us, to make us feel like we have to strive for things that are not actually important for our internal well-being. And so I think, like I said, I, I got into filmmaking because I thought it would make my life more interesting. And I think in the process I found that it's really also a way to keep me healthy, like as a human being in this world. And I think that's something to always consider is if you're gonna be doing this because it's really fucking hard to always be making movies, it better really be something that keeps you healthy physically and mentally and spiritually. You shouldn't sacrifice your body, you shouldn't sacrifice your mind or your soul for something that isn't also giving all of those things back to you. So I would say that, and the only other, and the other thing I would add to all of that um, is show your friends work. I think that's super important. You know, this festival happens once a year, and I made really good friends by showing their work at the old bakery space. I think that the more that people organize screenings, whether it's local filmmakers, bring filmmakers that you meet on the festival path, make friends you make in other cities, bring their work to the city, bring Atlanta work to their city, show your movies, make events out of it, even if it's 10, 20, 50 people, because I think by show, showing work and sharing work, that's when we really start to get better at what we do because we see what other people are doing in the city and what other people doing in other cities. And watching stuff online is never the same as being in a room with people and hearing them laugh and hearing them react. So uh, show more work and, and share other people's work as much as you can. Um, I, I just think that it's important to nurture your relationships and um, to show up for people, you know, when it, not only when it benefits you, um, that is something that I really sort of like got out of this project because a lot of the people that I've been working with, um, what that I work with on the project, I've been working with since like my beginnings in film, like for instance, my, um, 
me and my producer, Maya Miller, we, we joke about the fact that like literally our first film project, um, our freshman year, you know, we did together, not knowing, you know, where it would take us and not knowing that we would be able to work again. But I think that we're able to work so closely because we are friends and, and we do show up for each other, you know, in different ways outside of, you know, just filmmaking. Um, so yeah, um, nurture your relationships. Uh, a couple quick things. So tomorrow, the 3.30 to 5 panel is Media Services. Um, so we all know Movie Magic. We've all heard of it. It's expensive. Most people don't have it. The big problem with Movie Magic as an independent filmmaker is you can budget, but you can't actualize your budget. So you can spend money, but there's no way to track how much money you spent. Um, but showbiz budgeting does all that. I've used it for independent films, a lot of TV shows and, and commercials and small production companies use it. Um, so it's great software. They also have new software um, that allows you to schedule and new software that allows you to put in um, shot lists and uh, storyboards. Um, so we're gonna walk you through uh, software tomorrow. So if you're looking to be a producer, production manager, or just somebody who wants to keep track of the production side and the money side, um, this software is inexpensive and a great alternative to some of the other ones you've heard about and has more functionality um, for a little bit more money than some of the other lower end stuff that you may be using. Um, Thursday, we have People Store talking about influencers and all the different ways that the media um, landscape is open to filmmakers. And then Friday, we have the In My Hometown um, short filmmakers. So everything this week is 3.30 to 5 except Friday. So Friday we're 4 to 6, or I'm sorry, 4 to 5. Um, so just keep that in mind. I know, rush hour traffic, 4 to 5. <laughs> I know. Um, but come early, get a bite to eat, hang out, go see the movie Friday night, because it is closing weekend, so there's enough to keep you busy. Um, thank you to all the filmmakers. And you guys as well. Yeah, tomorrow night, 7.30, Dad's Garage, the encore screening. Please come. It's a, like I said, it's a very well put together block. All the films talk really well with each other. So the things that I explore in my films are from that dance perspective gets explored in other ways, in documentary, and yeah, just, just come check it out. 7.30, same Garage. with Georgia's stories. You will see there's a lot of films, obviously, because we have a lot of filmmakers. Um, this program is 90 minutes long, and that one is 60 minutes long, but there are obvious themes that run through all of these as well. And that's what I think is so fascinating when you look at all these different Atlanta filmmakers who all know each other and help each other with their projects and have created a wealth of completely different films. Not one is like the other, although they share a lot of themes, and I think that's really cool to see all the different styles of filmmaking that we have in this town too. So. Thank you guys again for coming out and enjoying our summer coffee! Yay! Thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day. We should join our community server over on Discord. Share time to exclamation Discord and chat now. Guys, we're trying to unlock subs. We're trying to unlock subs and we need your help. Share the channel with your friends, your family. Like if you must, because every little bit helps us achieve our goal even closer. So leave us a review. Just reading on your favorite platform. Thank you guys so much. If you guys are interested in sending us for email, let us know your your thoughts, your feedback, and it, it might who knows, it may be read on the show, even a special reading segment of the show as well. 
So, have a good one, and until next time.